How's it, guys? Welcome back for another episode with me, Nick. And as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Ronnie, who is in an incredibly good mood this morning, as we had no load shedding last night, eh, Ronnie? We had no load shedding. We almost, uh, we're going to have load shedding at two o'clock this afternoon. So we almost would have had a full 20 hours of continuous electricity. I mean, the government's really blessing us. It must be because the Lions pulled off an immaculate win this week. But I mean, really, really lucky being able to sleep the night through with your fan not going off. And thank you, Eskom. We, we really appreciate almost 20 hours of electricity. Something not having to watch right beyond a, on a small tablet screen or a small. Appreciate it very much. Yeah, I'm also very, very grateful for that. But a good weekend all around. I think there was some lack of rugby on. I went and had a car wash and did some work for Punted this morning. And yeah, Ronnie, how's your weekend been? Good. No, it's good. It's some quite a few upsets. So that's been good on the rugby front. Like we said, we had minimal load shedding, which is ridiculous to say, considering they still can't give us a full day worth of electricity. And the Formula One starting. So that's going to be exciting. That's also true. That's getting getting going this week. And maybe a win for Sia's mate. What's his name? The Dutch guy? Verstappen. Verstappen. As you can see, I'm not a big F1 fan. But then also, Ronnie, our winner from last week's pod fan topic, Jonathan, has given us a standing invite to play some golf in Underberg. So thanks for that, Jonathan. You know, Ronnie might take you up on that. Golf is my handicap. Golf is his handicap. It's also mine, but I do like to chase the white ball around the, around the, around the rough, I say. <laughs> so if we're ever down there in Underberg, we'll definitely be taking you up and joining you for a game of golf. And yeah, guys, that's just a reminder. We really do love being in touch with the guys that listen to us. So please drop us your comments, drop us your suggestions. We always share them amongst ourselves, we reply where we can. And we really do appreciate all that the listeners do to, to make the podcast a success. On that note, Ronnie, should we dive into the URC action for this weekend? Yeah, let's kick it off with Munster v Scarlets. Yeah, what a game, hey? Munster securing a 49-42 win over Scarlets. I think this game cannot be discussed before we first mention the 63rd minute. Argeus Neyman, the Viking, back on the field, standing ovation from the Munster crowd. How great was it to see the big man out on the pitch? Well, I'm sure they're applauding him purely because they've been paying him for so long and he hasn't been playing any rugby, so they're just grateful to, to see him swinging the ball around. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm, I'm actually pretty sure he owes Munster a good two years on his contract. He's going to have to sign an extension there with him. He's barely played. I think he's played max three games total since the World Cup for them. So very, very little game time. Yeah, okay. But Munster, although they scored 49 points, not so good to see them let 42 points through. No, for sure. So, I mean, it was seven tries to six in this contest, which shows a bit that the defense is lacking. You know, that can come down to the fact that there's a lot of the international players missing. But a big shout-out needs to be given to Scarlets because at halftime, the score was 35-7 in favor of Munster. Scarlets mounted yeah. one hell of a comeback. And they're actually putting a little bit of pressure on the Sharks now because the Sharks face them next in Wales. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, the midfield teams, the ones that are at the lower end of the top eight, need to be careful because this does seem to be a Welsh resurgence going on. Exactly. So the Sharks can't take for granted that they're going to go to Wales and secure a win now. They're facing a lot of struggles. And I think the, the second half performance from the Scarlets, very well done to them, not getting the win, but scoring six tries. Unbelievable. Then we move over, Glasgow 50, eight points for Zebra. That was a first half hat-trick for Johnny Mallins, which is unbelievable. <laughs> That's yeah, a... No, for sure. That's unbelievable. But I think for me, the most concerning or the, 
the pertinent point in this is that Zebra just the whole season, they don't have a single point, a single win point this whole season. And that's bad to see. That's very bad. I mean, so they started off quite well, Zebra. They got a quick try from Chris Cook, a quick tap right in front, dots it down. And then all they managed to add for the rest of the game to that was a single penalty. So quite a dismal performance from Zebra. They're really, really struggling in the URC. And a comprehensive win from Glasgow. Absolutely. Look, good for Glasgow, right? Because it's one of two Scottish teams in the, in the, in the league. And we spoke about wanting to see more Scottish teams up near the top. I know there are only two teams, but uh, well done to Glasgow. Well, I think it was a convincing performance from them. Yeah, a very convincing win from them for sure. Then we go over Ulster beating Cardiff at home, 42-20. And that actually ends Cardiff's hopes for the playoffs. So Ulster building up on their nice head of steam. Cardiff, unfortunately, bowing out of playoff contention. Does it really? I mean, they're on 34 points. So. Yeah, they with the remaining fixtures, they can't make it into um, the top eight of the log. So when they have three games, so three times four is 12. 12, 34 plus 12 makes that 46, which would put them currently in sixth spot. Yeah, maybe this is why we shouldn't be trusting Nick to do maths, but I'm pretty sure when I had a look at it, that was Cardiff out of the playoffs. Anyway, as I have been corrected by Ronnie, he is the mathematician. If you guys have been listening, you will have figured that out by now. And then Dragons 2022 Connacht. So Connacht securing an away win there. And that win for Connacht really puts a lot of pressure on the Sharks and the Bulls to retain their top spot in the in the top eight. Yeah, as I said, so there is, does seem to be a bit of a resurgence from the Welsh teams, right? And it's just outside the top eight. It's not comfortable sitting for Connacht, the Sharks, say even the Bulls, right? There's, there's a little bit of danger there. The lock could still move around. For sure it can. There's going to be a lot of movement in these closing few rounds. Three fixtures left, in fact. And then we go over Ospreys going down by one point to Benetton at home. 2021 victory for Benetton in that one. You know, very close game. Very, very tight, tough conditions. But well done to Benetton for securing the win, especially since they're missing so many internationals. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and look, Benetton is built off of uh, Italian internationals and South Africans. So without those Italian internationals, it's a little bit hard for them to perform, I suppose. Yeah, it was actually Rango Except Smith. when you're Leinster. You know, we say that. Sorry to interrupt you, but Leinster's also built up heavily with the Irish internationals, but they still seem to be able to perform. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, it was Rayno Smith that secured the victory there for Benetton, so South African performance. But as you've mentioned, Leinster, Leinster securing a 47-27 win over Edinburgh, Edinburgh playing that one at home. You know, it was seven tries Leinster scored in that game, and also the seventh defeat in eight games for Edinburgh. It's a bit of a tough one there. Yeah, difficult one for Edinburgh, because we do want to see them perform. But with that said, look, they're in 12th position behind Cardiff, right? But I still believe that Edinburgh does have an outside chance of making it into the playoffs if obviously the back end of the top eight includes their games. But look, we want to see another Scottish team, we want to see them do well, but considering they only have two, they've got 50% of their teams in the top eight. Yep, that's that's true. And then, Ronnie, we take a trip over to Loftus. The Bulls going down to the Lions 25-29. to 29. Lions breaking a 10-game losing streak against South African opposition. Well done to the Lions. Hey, you guys are starting to roar. Yeah, well done to the Lions. So I messaged my father just after the Sharks game, and I said, you know, being a Sharks supporter is like being a Lions supporter. There's really no joy that comes out of the games. And then immediately after the Lions beat the Bulls, I had to retract what I said and said, being a Sharks supporter is nothing like being a Lions supporter. Yeah, well, the Lions definitely... Got the up over the Bulls there at Loftus. A stunning performance for Sanele Nohamba. 
you know, he scored a try. It was a quick tap when the Bulls had turned their back on him. He scored five penalties, two conversions for a total points haul of 24. And he was named man of the match. So very well done to the young scrum half. Looks like he's gathering up some form now that he's moved to Joburg. And also commanding performance from Marius Lowe, another Sharks player flying his trade for the Lions. Yeah, we seem to not only poach some good players from other other unions, but we also seem to fish them out um, quite a bit. I mean, Marnie Lipok, I don't know, he was he was the Bulls and he came over to the Sharks, but he really found his way after leaving the Sharks and going to the Stormers. So, yeah, maybe we, we, we've got something going there, produce some good rugby players. Same for Ivan Rus, same for Maria, same for Nohamba. These are all players that were at the Sharks that we've just sort of let go and maybe regrettably so in some instances. But yeah, I think very, very well done to the Lions. That was a commanding performance and the Bulls in a bit of a trouble. Hey, They have a mid-season wobble that they're struggling to overcome. Still in playoff contention, but Jake White will not be happy with what went on yesterday. Did you make mention of the fact that the Lions ended a 10 11 game losing streak against the South African teams? Yes, I did. I literally started with that, Ronnie. <laughs> You're a great listener, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, then we go down to Cape Town for the Coastal Derby. Stormers 29, Sharks 23. Bit of a disappointing one for me that the Sharks couldn't secure a victory there as the Stormers had been reduced to 13 men for the last 10 minutes. Unfortunately, not able to capitalize. Game, man- game management by the Stormers in the last 10 minutes was outstanding. I mean, they slowed that ball down in their huddles. They walked. It was good to, you know, as a neutral, we would have loved to see that and see how they were. You know, slowing the game, I suppose, for the traditionalists, they'll say, yeah, no, that was lucky to see anyone that wanted to see some running rugby would have been a bit upset. But I thought the Stormers closed that game up well, considering they only had 13 on the field. Yeah, like you say, excellent game management from the Stormers. They did handle those 10 minutes. I mean, like you say, they had a, a little team meeting before the line-out. Then the line-out sets up and Herschel Yankees is talking to the hooker for a little bit. Everything they could to slow the game down there. And then the Sharks making some silly errors behind their own line you know, under that pressure was not great to see. I quite like the move of Fussy to 11, though. I think that takes away from his defensive frailties at fullback. And for me, I know we've had Butta on the show and he says he prefers 10. But for me, he seems exceedingly comfortable in that 15 jersey. I think Butta's playing with a bit of confidence at the moment, which is great to see. I mean, a little bit of a, a cheeky chip kick out of his own 22, of which his players ran on to in the last 20 minutes, I think it was. I just felt that Butta plays with a lot of confidence. Uh, that's good to see. And you need that confidence for somebody playing in 15, right? For sure. And then, Ronnie, something I'm not sure you realized is that yesterday's game between the Sharks and the Stormers was the biggest fan attendance the Stormers have ever had at Greenpoint Stadium, including the final against the Bulls. So we actually discussed this last night, whether or not we were still under COVID restrictions last year. This is proof that we were, Ronnie, because the stadium was capped at 30,000 for the Bulls-Stormers final. But The Sharks-Stormers game yesterday saw 30,701 fans go into the stadium, which was incredible to see. It's the largest regular season crowd the Stormers have played played before since 2017 when they faced the Chiefs in Cape Town. And that's the game with the Dylan Lades' incredible offload. To SP Marie. Exactly. Well, no one wants to hear, no one wants to listen to you proving a point here. Actually, I think people are more interested in what's happening on the log. So I'm going to jump around into that, if you will, and uh, we'll talk briefly about the top eight in the URC. Uh, so, look, I think when it comes to Ireland, the changes this season compared to last season, uh, 
you know, it's much of the same. It's the topping it off. And we've got a strong Stormers team contingency from the South Africans in there. It's just the Sharks. There's a little bit of a question mark ongoing there. So, and the Lions. Lions still stand an outside chance, even though they are below Cardiff on the log. They still stand a chance. So I'm not allowed um, to yeah, make a point. So I'm not allowed to make a point, but you are. Sorry. Sorry, can you keep quiet, please? I'm busy. Very important <laughs> segment here. So, but yeah, what's nice to see is the four proud provinces of Ireland representing. All four of their provinces are in the top eight, as it stands with three rounds to play. It's disappointing to see Benetton use one point off the mark at this stage. I think the team that you may have got confused with there, Nicholas, is the fact that the Scarlet's on 29 points. And I think their chances, uh, they don't really stand a chance of making the top eight. So you may have just got Cardiff and Scarlet's confused. It's okay, you're only a lawyer. So Scarlet's then, like you say, can't qualify, but they can definitely still upset the Sharks party. They can absolutely upset the teams that are in the top eight already, but they, I don't think they stand a chance at this point, unless there's something that happens. But yeah, look, the top eight are Leinster Stormers, Ulster, Glasgow, so good to see Scotland there, at least 50% of their teams are there, Munster, Bulls, Sharks, and then Connacht. There's a lot to play for, especially the midfield teams, the McLarens, the Aston Martins of the ERC, they still can make some movements, but I think Leinster, Stormers, Ulster, they're quite comfortable at the top. So since this episode's all about making points, it would seem, for the guys in New Zealand, Australia, and all the Super Rugby fans, this top eight is made up of people that actually should be there, and not just because of which competition they fall in, you know? So that's exactly a point that I researched right before we, we decided we were going to do this recording now. And I went and I had a look because, you know, there's always in Super Rugby, you saw suddenly the Brumbies ranked above everybody else, even though they were like 10 points behind the person behind them. And that's not the case here. It's just the log reads so beautifully from its you know, descending order from the Leinster all the way down to Zebra. Yep. And it makes for better watching and better following of the competition. But that's my last little dig at the Super Rugby guys for now. Then, Ronnie, we're looking ahead to some Six Nations action again this weekend. There's some games I'm really looking forward to because I think there's going to be some humble pie on the menu this weekend. So we start with Italy versus Wales. I think that's going to be a bit of a wooden spoon fixture. I'd imagine Italy might even take that one as it is at home in Italy and they won in Wales last year. And they're desperate for a win. I mean, they've put some good performances together, although they've lost. They've put some really strong co performances compared to what we usually expect from them. So I agree with you. I think Italy could actually take this, which would be really sad for Wales. Yeah, it would definitely be. And it's going to be interesting to see how Italy overcome the injury to their star fullback, Capuozo. He's out for the rest of the Six Nations with a shoulder injury. But I would definitely love to see the Italians take a victory in this one. Then we move over to Twickenham, England playing host to France. Is it just me or is there a hiding coming for the English in this one? It's not just you. I think I actually agree with you. I think France is overdue a big game and I think England's got it coming. They've recalled Luku. He's back from injury to back up Dupont, bolstering their squad a little bit. And yeah, I don't think this is going to go well for the English. Yeah, I have to say though, right before this recording, I thought England would take this. But I've changed my mind last minute. I think you're absolutely right. The French are going to come firing. And then, I mean, we look, Marcus Smith was released from the English camp. He goes to play for the Harlequins, plays last night and puts on a man of the match performance. Absolutely stellar. It just makes no sense what Borthwick's trying to achieve there. Yeah, maybe they've got a bit of advantage that they can give him some game time in the prem. But I hardly think that helps a young 10 develop in the international setup. Yes, yeah, difficult one because... Owen Farrell, 
the question needs to be asked where does Owen Farrell fit in? Is he a better 10 or is he a better 12? And or I think perhaps at this stage, is he what? Or is he better on the bench? Just putting is that he better on the bench. No, no let's be serious now. He's not better on the bench. They need him. They need him on the field. And I think he, as Borthwick and, and most people will agree that he's actually a better 10 than he is at 12. Well, that's at least my opinion. So that's just unfortunate for Marcus Smith. Yeah, and I mean, that meant a recall for George Ford. I'm not sure where in the selection frame he is there. And it'll be interesting to see if Marcus relinks up with England now after today. And then, Ronnie, we move over to BT Murrayfield, Scotland hosting Ireland. I think that's also a bit of humble pie coming Scotland's way. They went down to France, and I think Ireland at the moment is a little bit better than France. I think we're in for a nice attacking game, but I think Ireland are just too strong. So you would say that the Six Nations log is not representative of who the top teams are? Because if you look at the at the Six Nations log right now, Scotland's sitting in second. No, I, I do agree with that. But Scotland has played both Italy and England. Oh, sorry, Wales. No, yeah, no, no. Two Mino teams. Exactly. So I think... And it no. wasn't so long ago that we thought Scotland was a Mino team themselves. So I just want to say, well done to the Scots. Well done to be second on the log. I know my, my co-host here thinks they're going to eat some humble pie. But I, I think they could put up a, a strong performance against the Irish. Yeah, look, I did say if Scotland managed to beat either of Ireland or France, I would be very impressed. And I'd actually be a little bit worried about the box at the World Cup. But I just, you know, they came close against France, but I just don't see them having enough against Ireland. They had a bit of a fractured display with the ball against the French. And if they do that against Ireland, there's just going to be intercepts and James Lowe dives in the corner all day long. <laughs> yeah, James Lowe and his TMO calls. Yeah. Yeah. Then, Ronnie, I think it's it's good that we just mentioned a couple of big results in Super Rugby this weekend. So I only picked three of them to discuss. One was this morning, which I don't know if you've yet seen. The Reds' absolute humbling of the Western Force, 71 points to 20. Ten tries for the Reds in that one. I didn't see that. That's, that's unbelievable. That's a cricket score. Yeah, that is a proper dish-up of humbling pie. Yeah, absolutely. And then the Blues, after a big win last weekend, were humbled by the Brumbies. At home, the Brumbies yeah. beat the Blues 25-20. No, look, I, I want to add to the Brumbies. For that. I think this season is something different. It's not what we expected. I know we made that little bit of a jab comment earlier in the podcast where we said, you know, they Brumbies always top or in the top three, but they didn't have the points to actually back it up. But there's something about the Brumbies. They've got good set plays, good set pieces as well as some good running rugby. So there's, you know, watch them. They're going to be a very dominant Australian team. Yeah, I think that's a good sign for them. And I mean, a good mental battle by beating one of the the New Zealand sides. And then Crusaders getting a comprehensive 52-15 victory over the Highlanders. They were without coach Scott Robertson. He was away due to a family bereavement and they dedicated that win to him. But yeah, finally a win on the board for the Crusaders. Yeah, I think what's more concerning here is the performance of the Highlanders. They seem to be nowhere this season, which is, we're going to keep our finger on the pulse of that one. Yeah, I think the Highlanders are really struggling at the moment. And then, Ronnie, you know, we spoke about it a little bit, and our fan topic actually addresses it this week. But this coming weekend, the Curry Cup starts. So the URC will only return again on the 24th of March, about two, three weeks away at the moment. But Curry Cup, and something I learned this morning, surprisingly. So the Griffins are in the Curry Cup. Yeah, for winning the first, uh, for, for the first, first division. division. 
Yeah. Uh, last year they've qualified for the Curry Cup this year. So well, I suppose the teams are Grip West, Cheetahs, Sharks, and then the Griffins. So, so Griffins will be taking Sharks on. The Fidelity Lions, uh, Western Province, Vodacom Bulls, Pumas. And yeah, that's that's I think it's gonna be exciting. Yeah, it's going to be exciting, but I think it's we've we've got some thoughts we'll share shortly about the Curry Cup being scheduled now. But I think yeah, some good five fixtures of South African rugby if you're keen to watch that this coming weekend. And then Ronnie, we look at the Bok training camp. I mean, we've seen videos of them chasing up the beach now. Poor Franz Malherber having a runoff up a sandy dune against Sia Kalisi. I think that was a little bit unfair. I think no one's moving Franz Malherber. I think Sia cheated. Sia cheated. <laughs> So that was lucky to see. And then I don't know if you saw the video of Sia holding onto that ball. And um, they've been having these sort of wrestling matches where a player holds the ball and everyone else tries to get it. And Sia managed to keep it away from Yerbin, hey. Well done. You see, that's what I'm saying. That that task that is an, an amazing drill. But I actually watched the one with Thomas the Tank. And that was the first time I thought, oh, there's no way you can get that from Thomas the Tank. No, they did flip and well. I mean, Sia had Mapimpi on him, then Moody. And then he had... Um, flank i can't remember who it was and then Eben came Eben's picking sia up and throwing him around a little bit sia's not letting go of that ball so i think it's very good to see the box in camp you know this isn't something the other national sides are not getting at the moment and they essentially instead of doing their pre-season with their club they're doing pre-season with the box and i think it's hugely valuable that these players are getting some rest, but also getting a good pre-season in getting well aligned ahead of the world cup and i mean it is only 14 players but it's really good to see the box already focused on the task at hand. I would 100% concur with that. You actually said it that, you know, we're in, we're in a camp early in the season in the lead up to the, to the World Cup. Guys are going to have a lot more time to get aligned. And you get aligned through repetition, repetition, repetition. And by starting so early, it's just going to become entrenched, all those game plans, right into their DNA. Yeah, it's, it's, it can only be good for us. And I mean, talking of the Springbok World Cup challenge this year, how great has it been to see Andre Pollard return to form? I mean, this weekend alone for Leicester, he got five conversions, two penalties and a try. He's already scooped up two man of the match awards, I think, in the last four games. So great to see our fly half starting to perform again. Yeah, we've obviously been holding our breath in that regard because we're a little bit lighter with respect to the fly halves. I know I put to you a scenario where Monet Stain is the World Cup winning fly half for us and then writes a bestseller book for being the most successful springbok of all time. But I think it's good to see Andre Pollard at least still still in that in that first choice position for, for fly off and, and playing well. Yeah, I think it's it's really great to see him playing well. Because if he's fit, he will be our choice 10 at the World Cup. I don't think there's much doubt about yeah. that. So to see his return to form is really, really great. And Ronnie, another, you know, every week we seem to have one controversial topic at the very least that we need to talk about. So I want to just chat about this Ardi Sevilla incident against the Rebels. So for those that haven't yet seen it, Ardi Sevilla was yellow carded for a bit of a brawl. And then as he was walking off the field, he slit his throat whilst looking at the Rebels number nine, Ryan Lawrence. You know, can you really blame him? It was a number nine. We know how cheeky those guys can get. Look, it's obviously not a good look, right? It, you don't want people to you know, to be threatening one another with violence. But that is Part of the part of the nature of rugby. Rugby is a violent collision sport, and um, there's throat slitting in the huckers. When when the All Blacks do the huckers, they also throat slit in there. So where do you actually draw the line? Then 
look, it is a, it's a bad look, but is it really as bad as people are making it out to be? I don't think he really he really uh, meant that he was going to slit someone's throat. It's just unfortunate. There's always cameras watching. Sometimes you you do something stupid. Yeah, so Adi is now being cited for violation of Rule 9.27, which deals with good sportsmanship on the field. The citing commission has come out and said that the action hit the threshold for a red card. And Adi's statement about it has just been, you know, I can understand the fans are furious around the gesture that I made. It was the heat of the moment kind of thing. That's footy, but I understand that kids are watching. That's out of character for me. So I put my hand up and I apologize for that. I've got to be better. And, you know, I would be quite disappointed to see him take a ban for this. I think it was heat of the moment. It's really not that bad. And like you say, it is even part of the hacker. Absolutely. Look, it's, it's unfortunate. So every time these side things come out, don't punish the guy too hardly, but do do bring it to our attention so that, you know, players in the future don't, can choose not to do it rather than do it. Yeah, I think bit of a silly moment but i don't think there's real malice in there that deserves disciplining just my my take on it i know some people will feel very very different about it that's the beauty of the sport we're all allowed different opinions and ronnie this week now we move over to our fan topic this one coming in from malusi mflanga malusi please do get in touch with us drop us your details and we'll send through some like a punted merch for you but malusi thank you for your question you know you asked us here is it not time to put the curry cup on hold? SA has too many pots on the stove at this point, and I don't think the tournament will get any fan engagement. What do you think, Ronnie? Yeah, I can see where they're coming from. We've obviously had this discussion now already a couple of times. It's a year-round season at the moment. The players don't really have rest time. However, with that said, we still have a very large player base. And we also spoke about the scenario of the Sharks potentially getting knocked out early in the ULC playoffs. I mean, we don't want that to happen, but that could happen. And then what are those players going to do? Are they just going to focus on on the odd Heineken Cup or Challenge Cup game? Or they are they going to get stuck in into some dominant local power rugby? So, look, I still think there is a case for the Curry Cup. I think it's usurped the Vodacom Cup, you know, it's maybe not what it used to be. I remember 10, 15 years ago, everybody that I knew was crowded around the television watching the Bulls v. the Reds in a ridiculous playoff. And, and it was it was chaos in Super Rugby. And then immediately after that, they changed the channel to the Curry Cup. So there have been clashes in the past between the Curry Cup and Super Rugby's. But you know, with that said, it's a professional sport and we need to have our local base players in some sort of a competition. If you're going to call it the Vodacom Cup or the Curry Cup, in whatever. Oh, I think my comment that I have to add in there is that it depends which way you look at it. If you look at it from Sharks, Lions, Bulls, Stormers perspective, it might be a little bit too much to handle. But then you've got to remember we have a team like the Cheetahs who is desperate for competition. We had the amazing stories last year of the Griquas versus the Pumas in the final. Excellent for South African rugby and testament to the hard work that was done by the Pumas. You know, so it depends which side you look at it. This is an incredibly important competition for some sides. Other sides won't be putting their main focus on there. But that's not to say that it won't help them in the long run. It's an opportunity to blood some youngsters, get some experience in there. And I'm going to put it on record on this pod now that if the final is at Tafalaga Park or in Bombela, I'm going to it. But I really would like to attend a game at Tafalaga Park. Agreed. Kimberley's one place we haven't been to. Yeah, so we need to knock that stadium off this year. So for the Curry Cup, I'm going to be a Sharks and Griquas supporter this season. 
Right, the LPS Sharks and, and, and obviously Pumas. There we go. So, Malusi, thanks for that one. I hope we managed to answer it. And yeah, guys, shot for joining in this week. Thanks for listening to us. Don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred listening platform. Share us around with your mates, your coaches, and the guys that think they know what they're talking about. Maybe they'll get along with us. Mm -hmm.